Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. All this week's episode, the now bright future for the Star Wars universe. A paranormal visit to the ghosts of Shepherdstown. And we interrupt this program and ask if WandaVision is finally piquing our interest. All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from the Pop Culture Cosmos. Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, and of course, all of us here at Pop Culture Cosmos, it is truly appreciated. Well, Josh Peterson, my good friend, Mr. Joshua Wall Street, unfortunately couldn't make it today. He had some internet gremlins come in and chew up his internet line, so to speak, so he couldn't really get a clear and consistent show going with me, so we had to go ahead and scrap our plans for a full episode with him. So I do apologize for that, but he'll hopefully be back on as early as Friday's show, the PC Multiverse, or he'll be definitely back by Monday right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But I've got some great, great interviews instead. I've got on the back end of the show, our good friend, Noah Ian Fine from Hunnic Queen. He wants to talk about what everyone is talking about right now, and that is WandaVision. Episode four just dropped and everybody is talking about it. So he wants to talk about it on the back end. I also have, as a special guest, coming on to the show today in regards to the paranormal. We'll talk a little bit about that and also as well a lot about Star Wars because Bill Hartley from the great Supernatural show that he has, which you can follow right now and watch right now on Amazon Prime and Discovery Plus, you can go ahead and catch his shows, The Ghost of Shepherdstown, both seasons available now, Well, like I said, on Discovery Plus. He comes up here in a few minutes talking about not only the success of Ghosts of Shepherdstown, especially now that it's on Discovery Plus, but also as well, we talk about a ton of Star Wars as well. But first, like I said, it's the thing right now people are talking about outside of GameStop, the stock saga, and all that stuff that's going on in regards to that. What everybody else is talking about in pop culture is WandaVision. And episode four just dropped, and I will tell you what, it's so tremendous. We will be covering some spoilers on the program today, so I do apologize if you haven't caught it yet, but I definitely 
think you should. And here today to talk about WandaVision Episode 4 is a returning guest. She is truly an awesome individual. And of course, in the Glassford household, she is our resident pop culture expert. It is my daughter. It is Ellen Glassford. And Ellen, are you excited as I am now for WandaVision Episode 5? Because Episode 4 really did the trick for me. I am so excited. Episode 4 was so great. And I'm so excited to see where the show goes next. I'll tell you what, it was just awesome to see from a different perspective. I know you and I had talked before about some reservations I had on where the series started with the shows based in the 1950s and the 1960s. It dropped you right into the situation with WandaVision. And I'm not sure that people that were unfamiliar with the MCU the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we're going to be able to get what was going on. Episode four has alleviated a lot of my concerns. And if you are sticking it out until episode four to see what's going on, if you were kind of on the fence on maybe I'm not sure I'm going to stick with this, please stick with it now because episode four truly was worth the wait. It shows you everything from the perspective of what soared the agency behind well, right now, what's going on in WandaVision. So if you want to check it out right now, it is episode four on Disney+. Plus. But LON, truly exciting for me to see the production values. Just tremendous on this episode. Seeing it from the eyes of the S.W.O.R.D. agents. I want to hear your thoughts on episode four and what truly made it stand out for you. Episode four looked like a Marvel movie. The production was amazing. We finally get an explanation to all of the sword things that we've been seeing throughout the series. And it's funny how the sword agents and the government people are just as confused as we are in terms of what's going on with Wanda and Vision. And it really sets up the world outside of Westview and Wanda and Vision's little bubble. Absolutely. I mean, you're talking about Monica Rambeau, who heads up this this whole episode, and it centers around her journey into Westview. And it all starts off with her coming back as part of the blip that we saw during the events of Avengers Endgame. And Hulk, basically, when he did the snap, bringing everyone back. What were your thoughts when you first started the episode? I know I asked you to rewind that part just so we could check out everything that's going on and the first images and the first signs that she was coming back and materializing back into the world after five years. But what were your thoughts on Marvel starting this episode with her story coming back as part of the blip? I am so glad that Marvel showed us the blip. At first, I didn't know what was happening when Monica rematerialized. But when you see someone blip back in the way that we saw in Spider-Man Far From Home, it was nice to see it taken more seriously because in Spider-Man Far From Home, it was sort of a gag. And this is what it would actually be like if all these people suddenly came back after five years. And I think that's a very interesting way to start Monica's journey basically in the MCU to have her lose her mom, I think in that time frame, I think now that's going to be her motivation going forward and setting up her character arc in the MCU. 
I'm looking forward to it as well. She did an outstanding job, and I truly have to compliment Tiona Paris for doing such a sensational job during this episode. It really told her story as far as her coming back, materializing again from the blip, everybody that was part of it in that area coming back, and you could see the chaos that resulted from it, and just the fact that they now have to acclimate themselves to their former lives, and not only that, acclimate themselves to the here and now, five years later, so to speak, from the events of Avengers Infinity War. So I'm telling you, it was just a great avenue for them to go ahead and explore. And I would actually like to see a little bit more of that from other shows and upcoming episodes, maybe not necessarily WandaVision, but I would love to see some other shows go ahead and delve into the after effects for the blip answer some of those questions. I know one of the famous questions to the Russo brothers in an interview was, what if somebody was in the plane 30,000 feet in the air when the snap happened? What happens to them? Some of those questions, those oddball questions get answered, hopefully at some point in time for maybe another series or something like that. But I do want to go and delve into what she experienced in her first mission back was to go to New Jersey, go check out what was going on with Westview and see her try to evaluate the situation along with FBI agent Jimmy Wu. I want to hear your thoughts on Randall Park's character. Obviously something that was very easy for him to get back into after his great performance in Ant-Man and the Wasp. I'm glad they brought Randall Park back. He's really funny in this and I'm glad that they brought back him and other existing characters like Darcy Lewis. I'm glad they brought them back instead of going with someone else entirely. Because Randall Park was really good in Ant-Man and the Wasp, he did a really good job not only being funny, but you get the sense that he doesn't know what's going on either, and he's kind of guessing along with us. If you notice, All of S.W.O.R.D., not only the FBI, S.W.O.R.D., the Air Force, you know, NASA, everybody involved, they have no clue what's going on. The government in this show is basically the fans. I was saying while we were watching the episode... They're literally us, meaning they have the same questions we have. They're just as confused as we are. So it was kind of funny to see that. But this show is really a mystery. When Scarlet Witch says, we just don't know what to expect. We just don't know what to expect. That's right. We just don't know what to expect right now. But it is something I'm definitely now looking forward to. I was kind of on the fence saying the production values were there, but I just wasn't sure about what was contained within and the starting point, I think I was waiting for something to really suck me back in, and this did it for me. Honestly, if the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. were ever to have been afforded this kind of production value that was on this particular episode, I don't think the show would have ever gone off the air or at least lost interest by a lot of people because of the fact that this was definitely a better look at how the way everything is run, how the way everything is looked at and approached. And S.W.O.R.D., which is so similar in its approach as what S.H.I.E.L.D. would do, and the way that they went about it was truly something very interesting. Just the scope of it, just the way they treated it, it seemed like a mini Marvel movie. It was shot like a mini Marvel movie, and in the end, it was presented and taken in by us as an audience as sort of a mini Marvel movie in and of itself. And I think that was for the best for WandaVision. Yes. With WandaVision and the other Disney Plus shows, 
they're all headed by Kevin Feige and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. wasn't really. These Marvel Disney Plus shows, they're almost equal to the movies in Marvel's eyes. They are really invested in these series and are making sure that they are quality. And with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that was just made for, like, cable TV so I don't think they really cared about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that much, which is kind of unfortunate. But you really see the care that they have for these Disney Plus shows in WandaVision. Yeah, I definitely saw the type of care in this episode. I couldn't agree with you more. You, you saw the attention to detail. You got the feel. Basically, something that I've been waiting a, a while now since Spider-Man Far From Home is the type of feel that you're embraced by being once again back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the way they go about it. Yes, Monica Rambeau did get very curious and tried to investigate what was going on in Westview and in doing so got sucked into the universe that is WandaVision at this point in time. And everybody outside with Darcy Lewis finding out and discovering not only what is going on as far as the force field outside that's blocking and shielding everyone from being able to go inside. And if you do, you go ahead and you suffer the consequences of going ahead and being transformed into that alternate reality. She discovered not only how to go ahead and view it, but try to interact with it with Jimmy Woo and his help in trying to go ahead and reach out to Wanda Maximoff in the show. You basically everything that was hinted at in the first three episodes was paid off in full with the look from a different vantage point from the agents of sword. And like you said, Elwin, it's basically how the audience is looking at it and asking all those same questions. For instance, the hexagon, why is everything in a hexagonal shape? why the fascination with the hexagons and also identifying the individuals there with fact they were able to go ahead and identify virtually all of the individual citizens there almost all with a couple of notable exceptions are basically citizens that were there that are now trapped within the confines of this WandaVision universe but there's two key things I wanted to go ahead and ask you before we head out and that is the two individuals Agnes and also Dottie, who were not identified and still have no other aliases or any real identity that was attached to them during the course of that episode. So before we head on out, I want to hear your thoughts on Agnes's and Dottie's possible real identities that you're thinking at this point in time could be. I think Dottie might just be a regular person. Um, I don't think she her identity is going to be something super important to the plot. I think she just wasn't on that board of notes because she hadn't appeared in the series yet um, because just based on the clips from the sitcoms we were seeing from Sword's point of view, it hadn't, the whole Wanda Dottie thing hadn't happened yet. The discussion at the swim club per se. Yeah, that hadn't happened when you see the clip of Sword's files. So I just think they didn't get to her yet. But in terms of Agnes, I think Agnes is someone that did not live in Westview. Um, She is probably based off a lot of things just from the comics and who we 
think the character of Agnes is based off. Agnes is probably helping the bad guy of WandaVision, which I don't think is Wanda in its entirety. I think there's somebody that helped Wanda do this or told Wanda to do this or inspired her. And I think Catherine Hahn is just kind of there to make sure Wanda stays there and that nobody messes anything up. And Agnes is not the same as the other townspeople. So I think that she is probably up to something. It definitely sounds like it indeed. But I'll tell you what, Elowen, it's been so fantastic having a report from you once again. It looks more and more interesting as we delve into more and more of WandaVision. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts, plus also everyone else's thoughts as well on WandaVision. It seems to be the talk of social media when it concerns everything outside of the GameStop stock saga and all that. But if you are interested in sharing your thoughts on WandaVision, how's it going for you? Do you feel that major turn that everyone else is talking about that happened in episode four? And did you enjoy it as much as Elowen and I did? We want to hear your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, Elowen, I cannot thank you enough for stopping by for this week. I hope you get a chance to stop by next week and in future weeks talking about WandaVision. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on that. Do you want to mention that right after the break, Bill Hartley, again from the Ghosts of Shepherdstown, will be back talking about some great things coming up, not only for his show now that's on Discovery Plus, but he'll also be talking about his love for Star Wars and where it's going forward for the Star Wars universe. So I'm looking forward to talking to, once again, Bill Hartley right after the break. And of course, thank you so much, Ellen, for being part of the show here at The Pop Culture Cosmos. Hi, I'm Juliet. And I'm Nathan. Experience Doctor Who from the very beginning through a classic fan's eyes. And through the eyes of a new Who fan. Reminisce and relive those classic moments with Nathan as he offers fun insight. Or experience them for the first time with Juliet as she dwells on social issues, history, fashion, and the size of a flashlight. We're the Time Streams Podcast. Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. All right, and we're back with the program. It's Gerald coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. I'm really excited to have this guest on today. Not only is he into a little bit of the paranormal there with his awesome series that's now available, which I will explain here in a second, but he is a true, full-fledged Star Wars fan. I'm so excited to go ahead and talk to any Star Wars fan that's out there because, of course, pop culture wouldn't be pop culture without Star Wars. So here today to talk about everything going on with his interest in the Star Wars universe plus also as well his great show, which you can catch both seasons right now on Amazon Prime as part of Destination Unknown. It is the Ghosts of Shepherdstown. It is definitely something you should go out of your way worth watching if you're interested in the mystery and the paranormal and the, the spooky and the mysterious. You want to go ahead and check out Ghosts of Shepherdstown today. I've already watched a couple episodes. I'm really intrigued as we go ahead and check out this awesome series. So you want to go ahead and check that out today. The first two seasons, they're accessible to you, and they're already available on Amazon Prime and Destination Unknown. And the star of it is right here today. It is Bill Hartley. And Bill, thanks so much for taking the time to speak to me today. 
No, it's my pleasure. I'm happy to be here. I'm uh, always happy to either talk about the paranormal or Star Wars or anything else that I'm a total geek about. <laughs> oh, no worries, no worries. And let's start off with that. Obviously, it's it's you're the one of the faces of this series that uh, delves into the mysterious nature of the paranormal and and basically the stuff that we cannot normally explain on a regular everyday basis. Your show deals and touches on a lot of subjects within that realm. I want to hear your thoughts on the feedback and the success. I know there's a lot of great episodes on IMDb that's very highly rated, and I got a chance to check out a couple of those out, including your most favored that's out there that deals with some bird action. But I'll let you go into that if you want. But definitely, Absolutely. if you could go ahead and describe why people are so fascinated with your show, The Ghosts of Shepherdstown. Well, it was me. It was a great honor to be a part of that. I have had great people working with me. When we did the show, like a lot of people, I mean, I had been in the paranormal field for about, at that point, like 10, 11, maybe 12 years. Mm-hmm. I had my own team. Um, we investigated every location that wanted us in there. Did it for free, obviously. Most of the people who contacted us were just people who lived in houses that had activity. So when I was approached to take part in this, I think my first thought would have been like a lot of people, you know, when they say, uh, you're not investigating a house or a business, you're explaining, you're going to investigate an entire town. My first thought was, okay, sure. A whole haunted town. Gotcha. <laughs> you know, and you know, like with a lot of ghost shows, we're not, you know, we didn't reinvent the wheel, but we kind of did something that most shows didn't do is that we didn't just go to one house. And then next episode, you, it didn't matter if you watched it. You could be in episode three and just jump in. You, you had to watch episode one all the way through because it was a continuation. And our investigations never stopped. And yeah. they filmed so much that if they ever went back and did a, uh, they could literally probably do another two or three seasons just based on stuff that wasn't in the season, in this, yeah. the first two seasons of the show. It was amazing. It was a lot of fun. I mean, it, it was it was nice. I mean, I got to work with Nick Roth, who I've known. I know a lot of people knew from shows like Ghost Adventures. It was nice uh, working with him, and it was great working with Elizabeth Saint, too, because we all came from different parts of the paranormal field. You know, we weren't all like we like my team. If I would have went in there, we all went in. We knew what we were looking for. We knew how to, yeah. how to, you know, with us, we actually had to learn each other, too. And I think it was obvious in the first couple episodes that we were not only investigating, but we were all coming from a different point of view on how to approach the investigation. And it took us a little bit of time to get used to how, like how Nick would investigate versus how Elizabeth would investigate. Yeah, Because there's know. different approaches and different perspectives on how you guys would go ahead and look at a situation. Exactly. Elizabeth uh, has a little bit of a sensitivity to her. At that point in time, I didn't even believe in psychic mediums. I never worked with any that I actually believed in. I, I, I actually used to have a little thing when I lived in Baltimore, Maryland, I was not too far from Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And when my team first started, I had just stopped being a Civil War reenactor. So I had all these connections up there in Gettysburg still. And there was a store up there that we used to use for a training location. And, you know, my team, we all learned Gettysburg, you know. And when psychics would come to me and say, I want to be a part of your team. This is what I can do. In my mind, the only thing I'm thinking of, and you'll love to tie in, is I would think that psychics were like spastic jedis they're waving waving their hands in here and say i feel a sense of ghosts in the room or something you know i never i I, I always roll my eyes when i've seen psychics do it so my offer was always the same and i think i was approached maybe i put this offer about 10 times each time it was great i interview you like i do with everybody on my team if i feel you'll be a good fit then what i'd like to do 
just to prove your abilities because I don't want to go into somebody's house and say, this person's a psychic unless I believe it. Yeah. You know, just like I've never offered cleansing services or anything like that. You know, I agreed that my job was just to let them know if there is something in fact there. So the offer was, I'll pick you up on a Saturday. I will drive to your house, pick you up, drive you to Gettysburg, show you the battlefield, give you my own patented tour because I know all every inch of that battlefield, take you out to lunch. And then all you have to do at the end is go into one store, walk around, use your psychic abilities, come back out into the car on the drive home in an hour and a half drive. All you got to do is tell me one thing you picked up in there that I know is there. And if you can pick that up and give me a little bit of detail, then you're in. You're a psychic. I believe you're in. I had, like I said, about 10 offers, and I've had 10 people that did not take me up on it. <laughs> so going into the show, like I said, Elizabeth being a sensitive, we had a psychic on the show who, you know, I mean, I think it was kind of obvious when I was doing it that when she would talk, I would kind of be off to the side because I didn't want to see the BS alarm that I thought was going off in my head, you know. So it was a very interesting approach to doing this show. I mean, and like I said, I mean, ghost hunting shows have been around oh, more than a decade or more now. You know, oh, yeah. the great shows like Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, they kind of laid the cornerstone to what you expect for a, for a ghost show. And when we showed up and did our thing, I think that a lot of people liked that approach because, like I said, we weren't just saying this house is haunted. Okay, move on. And then we're in a different town and a different location. We're actually the whole season trying to figure out what is spurring on and causing the activity in that town. Yeah. And people got invested in it. We had a few naysayers and people that tried to call us out on it and stuff like that, too. And, and, and that happens everywhere in the paranormal field. I, I've never once tried to approach people and say, this is it. This, I'm laying the line. This is it. This is exactly how it is. So, you know, even when people criticized it, I welcomed it because, you know, I think that anybody who has their own opinion about it may actually help influence me into approaching it differently the next time that I investigate. So I've always liked that aspect of it. I'll tell you what, it's been very interesting to watch and getting two seasons out of it and, and getting the fact that you do have several episodes that you made in regards to it shows the great interest that people have had for it. I mean, what's the kind of feedback over the years since it's been released? Oh, I'm still getting messages all the time about asking when will we, when will we all team back up for another show and stuff like that. And, and frankly, me, Nick, and Elizabeth have always been down to come back and reteam and go somewhere else. But over the years, you know, it's not really our say. It's to say that the, you know, the network and the production company and the people like that. I'm quite sure if we got a call tomorrow and said, look, we want to go to, I don't know, this town in USA and we want to go ahead and do another Shepherdstown type of show. I'm sure me, Nick, and Elizabeth would love to get back together and work as a team because by the end of all that filming and everything else, we, we're family now. You know, we'll still message each other or send random crazy like TikTok messages and stuff like that to each other. And it's been an ongoing thing since the show ended. Uh, the world coming together one TikTok at a time. Very, right. very, very 2021 to say the least. But I mean, the show's definitely something people that are interested in the paranormal definitely have to catch. It is Ghost of Shepherdstown. Two seasons worth is available right now on Amazon Prime. And also as well, you can catch it through the Destination America app. Please, it is something you need to go ahead if you're interested in the paranormal. It's something definitely you should go out of your way to see. Very highly rated episodes. That's the first thing that caught my eye. When our good friend Roger Hamilton, who is part of my, our yep. Monday stream on Dungeons & Dragons, you know, all of us geeks get together, I guess, is basically <laughs> what happens. But when he notified me of, of what you did and what you know, the show itself and whatnot, the first thing that I look for is viewer reviews 
and also critical reviews. And they seem to align. And when you have a show that aligns, and it's pretty much right. aligned as far as with both, that to me is a sign of a show that's definitely worth catching. And, and you know, obviously when you see that kind of response, when you see those reviews out there for you, how does it make you feel? It made me feel great. I mean, I, I still feel great about it. I actually, since the release of Discovery Plus that just came out just a few weeks ago, yes. our show's on there too. And and the one thing that they have that isn't on anything else is there is a, I like to call the elusive hidden seventh episode of season one, which was Return to Shepherdstown, is also on there. And I got really psyched because, you know, it's been a few years and, you know, it, it kind of it gets away from me a little bit. So just for myself, I wanted to rewatch it. So I started as of last week one of my Facebook pages, I actually do a live feed where I watch the episode. Like we started mm -hmm. with episode one last Wednesday and I had even uh, to my astonishment, we had, I had like 60 people watching it with me and it was all, it was like, okay, everybody at eight o'clock at the same time we do a countdown and we hit start. And so we're all in the same spot on the episode. And while I'm watching it, I'm answering questions and not only I'm answering questions, but I'm also kind of giving a behind the scenes, like, Okay, well, just let you know that we refilmed this part because they wanted us to show a scene of us coming into town. The first episode of Ghost of, uh, Ghost of Shepherdstown uh, originally started with us going to the sweet shop. But then when they were looking at it, they are like, but it makes no sense because we don't know how you got into town except for some dialogue. So they asked us to come back and just film us driving around in the, uh, in the ambulance and talking a little bit and just doing shots of us driving through town so they can drop it in. And it's like, you tell people that, and they're like, wow, really? And I'm like, yeah, look at my beard. My beard was a lot longer at that point because, you know, I had gone an entire season of filming. And uh, and so, uh, you know, I'm pointing out little Easter eggs, like with uh, season one, uh, if you watched the first episode, you know, we found the baby shoe inside the safe at the sweet shop. And people were like, well, whatever happened to the baby shoes? And it was really nice because it's ongoing conversation with fans who have watched the show already and, and are just re-watching it with me. And they're like, what happened to the baby shoe? And I said, well, if you want to have a little fun, go to season two, watch us in the headquarters. And if you see the birdcage, it's near the near the desk. In the birdcage is the shoes from season one. So it's been fun. And I was astounded because I actually had a lady who lives in Ireland who stayed up at her time 1 a.m. just to take this journey with me. And I and I was so blown away that the people are still interested in it, you know, years later that I'm excited to go through the rest of the season with everybody. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Video game box art, the stories behind the covers, in which we talk to the illustrators and artists who are responsible for gaming's most iconic images. Don't forget to check out Video Game Box Art, the stories behind the covers, celebrating gaming's most iconic images from the people who created them. This and many more from Rob McCallum Films. We cover the streaming marketplace intently. Every new streaming network that comes out there. And you mentioned Discovery Plus, which is the newest. And the fledgling network that it is, is something that could become a key player with all the different tie-ins and all the different networks that it can get content from. It could become a major player in the ballgame in the not-too-distant future. Oh, yeah. There is the possibility as more and more people find your show and you see this all the time on Netflix where they find these old movies or they find these old television shows and they start spiking and talking about going viral and all of a sudden you see it in the top 10 and you're like, wow, that Jason Statham movie from 2010, it's on the top 10 list? Wow. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Your show 
could find a large audience. And are you, I'm not going to say you're, you're counting on it, but is there in the back of your mind somewhere that you could hear that call that maybe with these streaming networks like Discovery Plus that always needs specific content, not for the cable channels, but right. for the streaming network itself, could find their way to see a season three or something like that, like you were talking about an offshoot where all three of you go and go to another location. To be honest with you, I mean, I it, I think I would lie if I say it didn't at least once or twice register in my head, but it was it's never been a push for me. I mean, I we, we pushed them to pull the curtain back a little bit. We were under contract for almost a year and a half after season two aired, and we kept hearing season three is coming, season three is coming, season three is coming. And then at one point in time, we all found out kind of sadly that they were going to do a season similar to ours. They used a different cast in a different location and they basically just pushed us aside. They didn't want us. They, uh, they went ahead and recasted the entire thing and called it something else. And, you know, I, I never called myself a TV guy. I never see myself as a TV guy. I mean, it's weird for me at times when people still recognize me in public. I mean, I mean, the, when the first episode aired, um, we had filmed that more than a year or almost mm -hmm. a year before it actually aired. And I was working a normal job in Baltimore. I was working at Westminster Hall, which is the burial place of Edgar Allan Poe. I was the actual cemetery keeper and took care of the church and set up events and stuff like that. And uh, I remember the very next day after that aired, the show aired, I went outside on the back deck of this church and I'm using my vape and just trying to get the rest of the day over with. And I hear someone from the other side of the cemetery go, oh my God, it's him. And I look and there's this guy literally running across the cemetery and jumping <laughs> over at little headstones and saying, oh my God, I can't believe you are actually here. I can't believe you're actually here. And he comes running up the steps and he's telling me how much he loved the show and the episode. And he was blown over that I was there. And it was his friend sombering behind him says, yeah, that's all he's talked about all day is that show. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, but for me, it's, it's it's it feels weird to be that guy that has actually been on TV. I mean, sometimes I I, I when I watch the episode, I'm looking at it going, What's that? did I really do that? <laughs> you know? And the first season was only supposed to be six episodes, a special series, and done. But yeah. the the audience was there. It was the highest rated show that Destination America ever had. And so they contacted us and said, Look, there's more there's no more work out in that area. They're still doing stuff. It's a little outside of town. And they were like, we want you guys to come back and do season two. So we weren't even expecting to see the season two. So I, even now, I mean, would it be nice to work with them again? Sure. It would they? It'd be great to do something like that again. But it's not really in my head that's something that I'm, you know, I'm expecting. I mean, if it happens, yeah. great. But Well, let's hope it does, you know, because we've seen, like, like I've said, we've seen things on streaming services find a new life, so to speak. My yeah. gosh, if they can have a Saved by the Bell reunion. They can have a Ghost of Shepherdstown reunion and take care of that for season three or beyond. You know. That oh, I hope to God they don't think of me as the screech of the show, at least. <laughs> How about the Mario Lopez? I don't think I have the physique for it, but I'll take that. <laughs> there you go. Okay, fair enough indeed. I'll tell you what, it is great to have you here talking about so many things regarding the paranormal, but it is Ghost of Shepherdstown. You got to join Bill Hartley, Nick Groff, and Elizabeth Saint on these adventures and check it out right now like he said discovery plus or amazon prime as part of the destination america format or again 
go to Discovery Plus. It's the hot new streaming service that's out there. Please check it out today. Both seasons right there for you, including just like The Office is on Peacock. There's extra footage and material that's you can't find anywhere else. Yeah, the Halloween episode itself was sort of like a nod to the fans who like the show. None of us appear new physically in that episode except for Mike King and, and Dana Mitchell and people like that. But I was the actually the only cast member that actually recorded something new for the, the episode where they had Mike called me and I just gave him some information about a location that I was actually investigating at the time when he called. So um, I, I don't know. It, it's a fun little thing. And that, that whole episode is a flashback of uh, there's extra footage that wasn't shown in the show. They go, He goes back. Mike goes back and talks to the people that we investigated and helped during that season to see where they were at and everything else. It's a fun episode. And it is one of those ones that only it only aired, I believe it aired on TLC around Halloween, like the year after that show aired. It hasn't seen the light of day really anywhere. So even if you want to go check that out, it's kind of it's kind of fun and interesting. Oh, that's awesome indeed. Please check that out. It is Ghost of Shepherdstown available now on Amazon Prime through Destination America and of course Discovery Plus. Check that out as well. But before we head on out. You've got an awesome, awesome setup right there as far as one of the major collections I've ever seen in regards to Star Wars. And Star Wars, after The Mandalorian and the success that it has, is now cool once again. I mean, uh, you know, being honest with you, after the, the declining results of the past two movies, The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker, and the unfortunate feedback it got from fans then in all sorts of different ways, it was kind of precarious where the Star Wars universe was at. And sure enough, Star Wars did get saved by none other than Grogu, Baby Yoda, and also the child, whatever you want to call him. I, I right. love Baby Yoda. Sorry. I mean, as I said oh, to I my, a, my... I have a couple of uh, couple of little guys of him right here as well. So Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. No Star Wars collection is complete without Baby Yoda. I know my daughter Absolutely has got not. like four of them right around the house right now, but... Uh, to see the show take off to such extent where the Star Wars universe is now alive, how good does that make you feel? I mean, I mean, I've never not liked Star Wars. It's always been a part of me. I mean, I can remember being a little kid. I mean, I was, I think, six years old when the first Star Wars movie came out in '77, and I didn't, I didn't ever, I didn't actually see it in the theater until it's re-released. Just not a couple, like, I think it was like months before the Return of our, or the Empire Strikes Back came out. And um, I, the only the only chance I ever seen is I had a little Viewmaster that used to have a little wind up film, so it was like a, a two minute Star Wars version. And then one Christmas, my mom had a eight millimeter projector that she found a I think at Toys R Us it was like a seven minute version of Star Wars. There was no sound; it was just an eight million you know, eight millimeter print. But I loved it. I loved it. I had the very first characters when they came out when they were still in the little plastic bags with card backs. And it's been a part of my life. I've seen Empire the very first day, first screening when it came out. And, uh, you know, like with everybody, I mean, I, I love the original trilogy, enjoyed the prequel trilogy, but it wasn't Star Wars as the original was to me. I think a lot of people feel that way from my, my age bracket. I know I've talked to people who are younger than me who were probably kids when, like, Phantom Menace came out, and they were, it's their Star Wars. That's their version of it. And yeah. and, and there's a lot of, a lot of hemming and hawing over the prequel trilogies. I still enjoyed them. I did still enjoy them. I found I found myself really having a good time watching those movies. I mean, I don't. I can definitely understand that it was not up to the quality of what has come in it's in the past. But 
I never expected it to. You know, I never expected it to be the original trilogy. I thought that The Last Jedi was interesting because unlike The Force Awakens, which was such a, a fan a fan love letter, you know, we want to make you feel like you were seeing Star Wars for the first time, only it's the same story. You know, when you got to that one, the story was so opposite of what you expected. I think that that threw a lot of people off. Me, I dug it because I went into it with expectations. And when I left there, I was like, I never saw any of that coming. You know, it was uh, not as good, obviously, but it was it was entertaining to me. And with stuff like The Mandalorian, I mean, rightfully so. I think it, and I've seen it written before that they said that The Mandalorian has saved Star Wars. And I believe that because a lot of fan base, once you got to the uh, the prequel or the sequel trilogies, have really you know checked out. They really weren't into Star Wars. There was like they they thought that Star Wars was robbed from them, which I don't. You know, it's a good story. I mean, I don't either way, but they 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 felt robbed that the movie didn't go the way they thought it should go, and and so with the, the first two seasons of Mandalorian, I was I mean that's the whole reason why I got Disney Plus. I got Disney Plus just because I wanted to watch the Mandalorian, and then in the final season of Clone Wars, which also was that last episode. Wow, but I, I'm also one of those people that I feel leery that I think they're going to start trying to give us too much of a good thing again because Disney seems to like to do that because there's already what a couple of shows I mean all, that list that came out about a month ago of everything that's in pre-production yes. and production 10 I'm shows like, yeah I'm like they're just going to oversaturate and kill Star Wars again if they keep going that way I don't blame you a bit and uh, like you I did see the first showing the first day for Empire way back in 1980 I was dragged as a kid didn't know what I really was getting into. I mean, I'd seen Star Wars, I think, on CBS on a special mm-hmm. beforehand, and then taken over at three o'clock in the morning by my sister's husband at the time, and didn't know why I was going being taken on my bed. It almost like I thought I was being kidnapped, and then I'm ended up <laughs> at this movie line, and then all of a sudden I'm in the middle of this movie theater in the early morning watching it and hearing everybody scream and scream and scream and cry no no he can't be his father he can't be his father no no and then you hear all that and it's like oh wow this is what it's all about that's when it really clicked in for me is like the passion and and the the embrace of it all that's when i really became a star wars fan at that point and then so many years later uh, not like you you've been really hardcore to the t I'm one of those that have seen all of it, but became disillusioned because of the sheer quality of what I was seeing. And I was more worried on this show. I had spouted off with Josh and we were both concerned about the future of the series because we saw declining returns and not our age level. We started started seeing with my co-host Josh's age in his 30s and beyond, they lose interest the future of the Star Wars universe becomes in peril, if that's the case. And what The Mandalorian has done is not only grabbed our attention from our age bracket, but also, and more importantly, their age bracket. But at least now we can say, due to the success of The Mandalorian, especially with season two, season one was, for me, very uneven, from really good to really not so good. Right. For season two was more of an even mix of brilliance, and I really enjoyed it. And it's really garnered that spirit of Star Wars once again. I completely agree. And like I said, I, I'm I'm hopeful that they, because I mean, when you look at the Mandalorian, it, it it looks like every episode was filmed to go onto the big screen. It didn't look like yeah. they they spared any any expense at all to, to make that as high quality as possible. The from the directing, the acting, the special effects. I mean, everything. I mean, they. They reinvented how they film with the LED walls and everything else so they can be in a building. But 
you would swear they were walking through the deserts of Tanawin or something like that. It was just amazing. I mean, it was a couple of times I was a little a little twitchy with season two because I I felt that you know bringing in characters that were like in Clone Wars because you're so associated with them being animated that you're like how how are they going to do that? But even with them, I mean, Rosario Dawson did a bang up job with Ahsoka. I mean, bringing in you know bringing back Boba Fett who's been dead for most most of us since '83, you know. <laughs> bringing him back with his Boba Fett dad bod and the new outfit and towards the end, the whole new paint job on the helmet and everything else. I mean, it was, it was fun to see. And I'm, I'm looking forward to see what the future is going to be for that show. And, and then with that end, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, but the end of Mandalorian with the, the notification that the book of Boba Fett is coming. I mean, I sat there with my jaw probably down past my navel as with, with the excitement of not only seeing him go through the Jabba's palace again, and then that announcement coming up. I mean, I'm I'm hooked already, and I haven't even seen the show. But you know, at the same time, with with Disney, you got to be a little weary. Everything they put out. I mean, when it comes to Star Wars, is you want to really go in and love it, and it's just it's always such that balancing act, and you could go either way. Absolutely, and that was something that wasn't even mentioned in the Disney investors meeting was the book of Boba Fett. So that came as a true surprise to a lot of people out there, and actually yeah. a very good one. Now, it does mean that The Mandalorian is probably going to be pushed back until 2022 at the earliest, uh, as far right. as maybe January or February looking like. But still, we're going to get some Star Wars in our future. Thanks for checking out the PCC, you know, the pop culture cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. Let's go ahead and finish off our conversation with this. Your hopes for the Star Wars future. I mean, you've got an outstanding collection right there. I mean, I've been able to gawk at it now for the past (laughs) half hour. I mean, you are an avid Star Wars fan, but your hopes on the Star Wars universe as we head on out. I just hope that they that they bring us good storylines. They don't try to make it hokey. They don't. I mean, I I, I literally cringed the, the other day. I saw a news article that said that they were going to give us a Star Wars comedy movie, and I was like, mm, I'll just tap out on that one all the way. But for our generation, because you were around the same age when I saw, you know, right around the time we saw Empire, to the generations who are in love with the prequel trilogies, and to the extent there are some that actually love the prequel trilogies. It is generational. You know, everybody has their Star Wars niche. And I, I just hope that at best they continue with uh, an interesting, entertaining story that will hook the next generation and keep Star Wars going beyond us. I think when George Lucas sat down and wrote, you know, in 75 or 76, when he wrote down the adventures of Luke Starkiller, it, I'm sure he had no idea it would be where it is today. Um, and I just hope that his vision and everything that you and I have enjoyed and the fans who have enjoyed it over the decades um, get star Wars that they don't have to battle over because it's entertainment. It's fun. It's uh, it's not really made for us to, to, for us to like, it shouldn't be made for us to just because we love it, that they want to make it and pander to us, make good storylines and keep it edgy 
Um, but bring in the next generations who are going to love Star Wars and let it live past us. Well, I'm looking forward to it as well. I mean, there was a time where because of the uneven nature of the actual Star Wars universe and the products that came out with that name attached, I was feeling I had to watch it just because I had to watch it because I felt like right. a completionist. Now I'm back again to where I want to watch it. I'm excited to watch it. I really am invigorated by what's going on with the Star Wars universe. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they have to offer. Once again, I feel almost as, as invigorated for the series as I once was just before Return of the Jedi came out. And, you know, you saw what happened with Empire Strikes Back and how good it was. And so you oh, really yeah. wanted to go ahead and see how it finished off. Well, how we thought at the time it was going to yeah, finish right. off. <laughs> but that was a long time ago. But, Bill, it's been so fascinating to talk with you about Star Wars. And, of course, your hit show, Ghost of Shepherdstown, which, again, people need to check out. Seasons 1 and 2 are now available. Amazon Prime via Destination America or the brand spanking new, only a month old, Discovery Plus streaming network. You can go ahead and check out everything that's going on there at Discovery Plus. Bill, it's been so tremendous having you on. I'd like to have you on in the future talking Star Wars, the paranormal, or whatever you Any, want to talk about. Anything you want to talk about. I'm big on Marvel. I'm big on Star Wars, Star Trek. I mean, I'm, I'm essentially just a giant nerd with a large Star Wars collection and a, and a pack of ghost hunting equipment. So... Well, then I'll tell you what, you're, since you're big on Marvel, and I, we talk about the production values increasing mm -hmm. because of the television show and The Mandalorian, how serious they took it. Your quick thoughts on Marvel's WandaVision. Let me tell you, WandaVision, I watched, when they first aired the first two episodes, I watched them and I was like, what the hell am I watching? What are they, what are they doing with this? Then they did the, the third episode and I was still, but episode four, I'm telling you what, it, it floored me. It floored me because you've got to see the reverse. You're seeing what's going on. You see that this is taking place after everyone is, well, not everyone, but most of the people would come back. And it's like, now I'm hooked because I want to know, because you said it's all Wanda. It's all yeah. Wanda. And I want to know, one, how is she doing that? And what is the status of Vision? I mean, he's there, but that, that clips you saw from real quick with the, the gray face and the whited out eyes and the big notch out of his forehead. It was like, whoa, what the hell? So I am so looking forward to the next episode, and I'm looking forward to seeing how this series goes. I mean, if I would have based on the first two episodes, I was like, eh, done. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing with this, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to what uh, Marvel's got coming up, too. I mean, with uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and the announcement of some other stuff that's coming up, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Well, they took notes from Star Wars and The Mandalorian on the production value, and they treated especially this episode, you can see the scale. You can see the feel and production was like a miniature Marvel movie. And to yeah. me, that's what made it most special. And I am invigorated now again to go continue my look into the MCU because like you, I was like, eh, well, not, not liking where yeah. it started 100%. I just couldn't get it. I couldn't get yeah. why is it a 50 sitcom? You know? Well, it dropped you like in the middle of what was going on. And yeah. you wanted, after a year and a half plus of being away from the MCU, you wanted to go ahead and have a, a, a nice start. You wanted to be eased back into it. You didn't want to go just be just right. dropped into it. And I think that's why it was originally supposed to be the second series, you know, after Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But again, 
yeah. circumstances well, dictated came first, and that's what happened. Just happens. like with Mandalorian and WandaVision, it's like I love those universes and I love watching them. There's not many things I'll say I will go back and rewatch over and over again, but those are two of the ones that I will definitely. If it's Saturday afternoon and I'm flipping through and there's there's one of those movies on, I'm I'm stopping and hear my uh, hear my wife uh, complain horribly about it over and over again. But why am I rewatching that? But it's like I mean, God knows how long it's going to be before we get a new Marvel movie. I know we're yeah. still still waiting, you know, for the next one, and I don't even know if they even confirm when they're going to actually release it now. Yeah, so exactly. I'm, I'm taking what I can get. I mean, you know, especially now that that last episode dropped with WandaVision, I'm. I'm fully seeing how this is starting to turn really into a really good universe for Marvel Absolutely. and a good avenue for their TV series. So I'm looking forward to it. I will tell you between you and me and the radio mm-hmm. listeners, I've watched the episode three times already. So, you know, that shows you how much I enjoyed it, but it is once again, Bill Hartley. He is the man behind along with Nick Groff and also Elizabeth St. Ghosts of Shepherdstown. You got to go ahead and check it out. Discovery plus, Amazon Prime, wherever you can get it, season one and two, please check out these awesome episodes today. And Bill, I'd love to have you back on talking pop culture or whatever it is you want to talk about right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Want to thank so much Bill Hartley and also my daughter, Ellen Glassford, for stopping by the program today to talk about various things from Star Wars to WandaVision to also... Bill Hartley's great show, The Ghosts of Shepherdstown, which you can catch right now on Discovery Plus and also Amazon Prime. But speaking of WandaVision, before we head on out, you know this man's got to talk about it because he's a lover of all things pop culture. You got to go ahead and check him out on not only one, but two awesome Facebook groups, Hunnick Weaned and also the Hunnick Outcasts. It is my good friend in need. It is Noah Ian Fine. And Noah, I hope you enjoyed episode four just as much as I did. I, I'm actually intrigued by the show. I think that this is brilliant. It makes me understand why these characters love each other more. See you. I think what I loved about four is that it, it doesn't give away the store, but the title of the episode explains it. And we, we interrupt this program. And we kind of explain what happened with the blip that, okay, this is the character that was the little girl in Captain Marvel and her mother apparently during the blip died of cancer. And now she's being brought up to speed. We have, you know, the agent from Ant-Man, they're going to go in, but they're in West Jimmy Woo. with Jimmy Woo. Yeah. And I like to know where this is really going. Cause yeah, we didn't see what happened to Wanda after she left as We discussed the last time. And now we kind of see that, is she really in control because she kind of kicked Monica Rambeau out of Westview? After this episode and seeing how it was presented, almost like we talked about a mini Marvel movie, I'm truly glad that I have stuck with it. And I hope everyone else has too, because yeah, I know the first two episodes, like you said, with your parents were kind of a hard thing to watch through for them because they really didn't get it. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, I don't get it. I don't get it. But once you sit through episode four it really makes things more understandable for the audience, but it also makes things more enjoyable for the future of what the series will be like for them as well. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I've said this before with Star Wars that I shouldn't have to go pick up a novel or a comic to find out characters that were supposed to be part of this episode or part of that episode. And the same thing with the MCU. Here, thank God, 
the way that this worked out, if you don't know these characters or you didn't understand why these characters made such a big deal, this series is going to help you understand what they're about. My parents asked me the same thing. Like they thought they were aliens and I had to go. And, and after like five minutes of trying to explain this to them, they were like, okay, I'm done. And then I tried to say, well, it's not really bewitched, but they're going to kind of play an homage to bewitched and all these other sitcoms because she has these mutant like powers that defines physics and he's an android and i had to try to explain the infinity stones and by that point it was over with man i mean if you started with this episode first and showed it to them first maybe that's probably the best way you could go ahead and present it to them and then go back into episodes one two and three yeah you know what I, I think that what we saw, or at least what they do this with television nowadays, this seems to be the pilot episode. Because what they do in TV, and they've been doing this for years, they always show the pilot episode in episode four or five or something. They did this with Seinfeld, they've done this with Bewitched, they've done this. And I never understood like, why the character's different, and why are people saying doing different things this is a weird episode. And then you find out years later... Oh, that was the pilot. They didn't put it in the first episode. They put it in the middle because you're not supposed to watch the pilot. But if you're curious, here it is. And I think that's why they put this in the middle, which is okay. But does it explain some things? Yeah, I would just wish this episode was a little longer. I I mean, WandaVision, I was kind of disappointed it's not an hour. I don't want it to end. But I also wish I could binge watch this series. But does this episode help for people who were confused? Yeah, for for the MCU, not for the comic book people, for but for the newbies who have been watching the movies. Definitely something that is going to be a lot easier for people to watch when, if they start off with this episode to help them better understand what's going on with WandaVision. It is truly a great episode. I've seen it now repeatedly, and I just have enjoyed it every time now. It's great hearing your thoughts on WandaVision. I look forward to hearing more great things from you coming up here in the coming weeks with episode five, six, seven. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, you're welcome to stop back in, share us your thoughts. But any last thoughts on WandaVision and your hopes for the series on the way out? My hopes for WandaVision, because again, I kind of have an idea where they're going sitcom-wise, but I kind of hope that they kind of will somehow backtrack to the 50s and 60s again, because they're really hoping that maybe Dick Van Dyke will make an appearance somehow, some way, as a character of Westview. Just, you know, just like a Stan Lee walk-on, I'd be okay with that. But I just go back to what I said, though. It's too short. I really would have liked this to be an hour episode of Peace and Binge Watching. I have a feeling it's going to be an addictive series, and I understand it's a miniseries, but it's still one of the smarter ones, and it definitely lived up to expectations for everybody that was concerned about these two characters that nobody really cared about before in Age of Ultron and Infinity War. Now you kind of do. So it definitely shows the range that Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany have. Once again, it is Noe and Fine from Hunnic Queen and the Hunnic Outcast. Thank you for stopping by, my friend. As always, I look forward to hearing more reports from you on WandaVision and everything else in pop culture. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And we're looking forward to bringing you the latest in pop culture as we check in with you this Friday 
right here on the PCC Multiverse on radio stations worldwide and right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel wherever you get your podcasts. So for Elwin Glassford, Noe and Fine, and Bill Hartley, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great We are the Cigar Nerds Podcast. Do you like cigars? Great! We review cigars while talking about movies, TV shows, science, and pop culture news. What? You don't like cigars? Great! Because we also talk about science, movies, TV shows, and whatever's going on in the news. It's what we do. We smoke cigars, and we know things. Find us on CigarNerdPodcast.com. We're also on the ESO Network. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the T Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.